Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi, I'm Rich Irani, and you're listening to Rich in Life. Today, I have Nellie Rosenking from Nellie's List. And for those of you who've never heard of her, she was a party planner and promoter for singles in New York, Miami, and LA. People would call her nonstop at all hours of the night just to be put on a list in order to get into some of the swankiest clubs. And as you know, Jews historically have an aversion to being put on a list or waiting online for that matter. But for Nelly, it was all about the list. She had a great philosophy that there's enough people in your own backyard to meet. You just have to bring them together in a fun and upscale way. After seeing the same faces over and over, some connections are bound to happen. And it's hard to say how many people dated, got married, and some probably even divorced on account of her parties. Nellie knows her singles. When COVID hit, she immediately transitioned from party promoter to matchmaking. After talking to her, I was impressed at how much she really likes bringing people together. She herself is now married with two boys and living in LA. I'm gonna to talk to her today about dating during a pandemic. How does one date during a pandemic? How does a dating service work and how she handles people who think they know what they want? You know, ask a guy what they want and they'll just say they want a pretty girl with a nice ass. Ask a woman what they want and they'll say, I just want a guy who's nice, but rich and tall and handsome. It's all a challenge, but she gracefully and sincerely has a way of telling you that maybe you're wrong. If you haven't been successful on internet dating and finding yourself going in circles with the same people over and over, you're going to want to listen to this episode. Here's Nelly. I am talking to Nelly Rosenking from Nelly's List. So now people are probably wondering what Nelly's List is if they haven't heard of you. I've heard of you throughout the, I would say, over 10 years. I mean, I'm sure you've been around even longer. I mean, everyone I spoke to, my nieces, nephews, even I heard, you know, did you, you have to get on Nelly's List, Nelly's List. And basically what you were, were you were a party planner primarily for single people. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of rolled into that only because I was doing uh, corporate event planning for a big firm uh, for a few years. And then I got like the taste of how to properly put a event, a real event together. Um, so I came from a more professional background. And then after September 11th happened, my company was very affected. We actually had people in the Twin Towers that perished that day. I was at my office already. I, I like really recall that day. That changed everything. Uh, the big budgets that we had for our events, zeroed out. Doing a party was taboo. No one's throwing a party after 3,000, 4,000 people just died. So naturally people got laid off. Um, you know, I chose to leave the position I was in. There was really not much I could do more. Um, and that kind of transitioned into me doing my own parties for me and my friends, just to go out and have fun and be social with one another. Um, so did you stumble upon it as an accident or did you plan that this is what I want to do? Because you were so helpful to so many single people, which yeah. I don't even, I think you realize now, but at the time, I don't think you realized what you were doing and bringing all of these single people together in one venue, yeah. in one room repeatedly. 
And we'll talk yeah. about that later if, if it helped them or, you know, did it hinder them seeing the same people most of the time? We'll get to that right. later. But tell me, was okay. this an intentional thing? No plan, Ricky. No plan. There was no I plan. Rolled out. It's like such a unique position. You know, I grew up in a community that you don't have ambitious career women, you know, drive entrepreneurial spirit rolling out of there, you know, very tight knit, um, you know, Jewish community that was like very traditional and, you know, go to school, you get married, you have kids, you live like white picket friends life right. and you do it at a very early age. Okay. And so for people listening, happened, didn't happen, you know, naturally. So it wasn't a plan. It wasn't a plan. Okay, so for people uh, listening, you mainly started in, I, I would say, Brooklyn and Manhattan. Is that correct? You started yeah. Brooklyn and Manhattan, and, and it was mainly for, for the Jewish Brooklyn. community, for, for the yeah. community that you were brought up in, which was also my community, correct? Right. That's and it morphed into something a lot bigger. It morphed into yeah. something a lot bigger. Yeah, totally. Okay, so, uh, so getting back to the whole list and the parties, so how did you get how were you able to even get such big venues to allow you to invite all these people? I mean, I'm sure you didn't at that time just yeah. give money to them and say, okay, I'm having a party. How, how would it work? So, you know what, touching upon what I was just saying before about the transition from the corporate event planner role to do my own events. I already established relationships with these venues via working with my other company for many years. You know, I was dealing with like, top clients at that at that firm. So I already had a rapport in the industry at a very young age too. I was like 23 at the time. Um, so when I went to my fellow uh, you know, venue owner who already had known me and said, I want to put my own event together, the door was open. Yeah, I had to work hard like anybody else. I had to bring the people, execute the event. You know, I had a rep at the door or I was in charge of music and lighting, whatever the angle was. It was still event planning, but now I had to draw my own audience to come to my event. And it was natural because all my friends, you know, it was all my post high school friends, my college friends. I had groups in every part of the city. Sephardic, Ashkenaz, Israeli, Persian. I was friends with everybody. So, people so how did you get come. people to come to this thing? How, I mean, how, first of all, how many people would show up? Like at the first couple of them, did you get a hundred people, 50 people? What was the first, uh, you know, you just to give people an Obar? idea. Yeah, of course I remember Obar. Obar. Yeah. 50th yes. Street between Park and Madison. Yep. That's where it all began. Because we'd go out there anyway, you know, and people knew the venue, they knew the vibe, they loved it. It's that Euro old school nightclub vibe, but yep. wholesome, much more wholesome kind of place than the regular club. And I'd invite all my friends. I'd have like a door wrap at the door. They had to say Nelly's list to get in. So give them that access, that exclusivity, maybe free admission. They were always VIP at the venues that I did it at. So 50 people, 100 people, people told friends. It was birthday party celebrations. It became a whole social community. And now think about it. I've been doing it for like 10, 15 years. Every Saturday night was at a different venue. Sometimes for the big events like Purim, Hanukkah, Christmas Eve was one of them. 2,000, 3,000 people would show up. Wow. So it was everything. And during the best time of nightlife, when it was like, you know, just emerging and just getting clean. It wasn't the old school nightlife of drugs. And I mean, it wasn't like the forefront of that. It was going into beautiful high-end places that people that otherwise couldn't get access to. And at first, like you're mentioning, it was 
a small group going into a bigger, but when it became a few hundred people, I took over the venue myself. And I put the events together on my own. I also promoted it on my own. So not only put the, the, the event together, not only you know, gravitate the audience to actually come, because what's a party without people? Now I'm promoting and I'm putting things together. So in marketing efforts. Back then, no email blasts. Back then, no broadcast message on WhatsApp. No social media. How did you it do it? Like Tell me, how'd you do it? Person. Lists of 212 and 917 numbers. And wow. I, I pounded the phone. And I had a personal connection with each one of these people I was talking to. They were my friend. They knew me from whatever the, the avenue was. You know? Well, that's what's so incredible because that's what I did hear from a lot of people is that everybody kind of knew you, but how could everybody know you? How can you know all of these people? People in exactly. Manhattan, people in Brooklyn, people in Long Island or wherever they were from. Everybody was talking about Nellie's List and I had no idea what Nellie's List no, was. No. I actually was never to one of your parties. I think my brother Simon has yeah. gone to a few of your parties. I've never gone to any of your parties, but I've been to Obar many times. That was my playground. It was fun. Yeah. I lived a few blocks away. And, you know, I was one of, one of the few people, I think, that had easy access to get there because I was a very familiar face. And boy, was it. Yeah. But how yeah. did somebody get on your list? Did you get calls from strangers? Because I know you did, because I even know people that try to ask how to get on your list. Yeah, it changed, right? Like in the beginning, it was pers personal people. Right? It was my birthday, it was a fun holiday, whatever. Get all the people together. But then like as it grew and I started to market and people forwarded to other friends or told other friends, that's how like new people start to get on the list and come out to the parties. And eventually I mass marketed. I created my own like media platform to mass market. And I went along with technology, mass texts, um, social media, you know, anything that started to evolve to help me better my like reach. Of right. course, it's still niche. It's still Jewish young professionals. You know, I'm not trying to pick anybody. This is an exclusive network of people. This has been curated for 17 years. And I know where to target in order to pull more good people to the, to the you know, to that wave. Um, Did you ever try good. to take that, um, to take that, you know, like recipe and do it for other communities? No. You never did. It was, it was probably so There's never a thought in my mind because I'll tell you something between, you know, everything that I've already done and everything that I'm doing now, even the way that I live my life, I really ultimately believe that I have a destiny that's supposed to gravitate Jewish people together and, you know, allow for Jewish people to meet and, you know, in, in their own special ways. But I feel like ultimately I have this role in doing so. And that's great. That's Pause right there. What do you say to people that actually use COVID as an excuse to be complacent, to stay home? You know, a lot of people I know that I talk to now say, well, I don't want to date. It's a pandemic. But time is going by. These people that I'm talking about are in their late 40s, some are in their 50s. Tell me, what advice would you give to them? You know, I thought about that. And honestly, the people that I'm talking to right now, are not those people. My people are definitely going out. They're using precautions, their own you know, safety measures, having conversations. Even when I talk to people that are matchmaking, I'm asking them about that situation. Have they had COVID? Have they had an antibody test? Okay, so that's the people I'm interacting with. Um, so they're okay. not necessarily being complacent or stopping themselves. 
the, the people who are, I get it. I understand where they're at. Everybody has individual stories, why and why not. Um, but you still have to root for yourself and find ways to date outside of physical interaction. You know, still go online, still try to be part of the virtual world when it comes okay. to dating. I got you it. I, I, and stay food. My, my, what I usually say is you're looking for an excuse. Here's another excuse for you to stay home and not do anything. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be fun. But if you know you really want to start dating, if you want to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, just start. Okay. But so that's my feeling on that. And what about, how do you feel if a girl or a woman is aggressive with a man? How do you, do you ever give um, advice on let him te- um, call you first or? So what kind of aggressive are we talking about? Like sexually aggressive? No. Because I've had no. those cases. No, no, no. I'm not talking or about sexually talking aggressive. talking about aggressive, like shooting the text first or like yes. what kind of aggressive? Yes. Aggressive in, when is it okay? Why is that aggressive? Well, well, because, you know, it, 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 listen, from the olden days, it's usually men, if they're interested, they make the call, they send the text, they send an interest thing, whatever, even if, you know, however it works. But when is it okay for a woman to be like, you know what, I like this guy, I have to make a move. Make the move. Let's make call the move. let's call them make the move. Not Great. Aggressive. Okay. So you've heard it here. Mm-hmm. Nellie Rosen King from Nellie's List says, make the move. Make the move. Yeah, I don't think it's an aggressive thing. I actually just uh, gave some advice to someone I'm working with. They're both clients of mine. One of them just had like a very serious surgery. He already knows that I want to hook him up with this particular person. Uh Uh, They didn't get a chance to meet yet, but I think there's a lot of connectivity and they're a good match. And I told her, why don't you shoot him a text and say, hope you feel better. They're both in the know of one another, but go ahead, make a move on a nice, as a nice gesture, start it from a good place. Okay, you know? good. So I'm not against And that. it's okay, a text is okay, even if you've never met them in person, it's okay to shoot a text for the first time? Why not? Time. Okay. Go ahead, be yourself from the get-go. Okay, good. So it's you the know? 21st century, they can shoot a text. Okay. Do what you feel is right. And the guy is either going to pick up bad vibes or good vibes from it. Okay, you is know? there a mistake that women make or men make? Common mistakes that they make when you're setting them up for the first time? I think the common thing as a mistake, if you want to call it, is that they're so riding as their first priority to be physicality, to be attraction. And there's so many layers of what attraction really is. But aesthetics obviously is number one and from both sides. And I think the mistake is like, they're so worried, especially the guys, about below their pants and what's gonna happen with this person that I'm introducing them to, that they forget the whole concept of everything else that it's supposed to be, you know? They're so, like the common mistake is that they're so uptight about it. They don't let it go. They're so Because they have an idea of what they think they're, they, they're attracted to. And they're stuck on that one ideology or that one idea of what they're attracted to and they don't wanna veer from it, correct? Am I correct in that? So it's funny, so I have a theory. Right, yeah. so I have a theory. I find that if you go out and you just keep going out, eventually either it'll fizzle and there'll be no physical attraction, but a lot of the time they may be a physical attraction. And 
it just takes a couple of times to go and to try it out. So I usually tell people, you really, you have to go. You have to go because you never know what's going to attract you. Yeah. And there might not really be an immediate physical, but there can yeah. be a physical attraction. 100%. And I also say the opposite. There's sometimes you go out with somebody, they're attractive, but they hold your hand and you feel nauseous from them. You feel absolutely <laughs> no chemistry from them. Yeah. And you'd like to, they're a great person, they're good looking, blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, the chemistry actually doesn't work. It's like the pheromones are not attracting you to this person. There's a reason. There is a chemistry that really needs to happen deeper scientifically than just looking at each other aesthetically, you know? So yes. I understand that point too. Okay. So you would encourage people to, um, to try, just give it a try. It doesn't mean you have to do anything you don't want to do. You just go, you try, you have a coffee, go for a drink. I definitely think there are people out there that are open like that. But I know a lot of people who are not, that will not give it a try. Even if, not so necessarily, I. I suggest it. Right, right. So they don't want to waste their time, you know? That's why I think the matchmaking plays a good role is because I'm suggesting it and I'm coming from a good place and we're discussing it versus like just going blank minded and meeting the stranger off of an app, having to dress up, go through the process, pay for dinner, make it a point in your life to make space for this person. And it doesn't work. So do you, so vet? yes, you want to give it a try, right. you know, but you also want to filter what that try is. So part of the matchmaking um, advantage also is that you do vet these people in a, in a sense. I mean, I'm not saying you go dig into their bank accounts, but you right. know, <clears throat> if they were married, if they were not married, if, you know, they're a rapist, if a murderer, I mean, do you know some of that or no? I dig, Rich. What? I dig. I'm definitely digging. I'm, I'm, I'm losing digging. you. I'm definitely digging. Oh, you dig. Right. Oh, I'm here. No, I, see I you. dig. Right. That I'm using the shovel. Good. All right. I think, I think that your yeah. advice is good. And I think that everybody should probably take a leap of faith and really try to get out there and try to socialize, try to meet people. And if you're not attracted right off the bat, you know, you never know. You really never know. Most of the um, women that I speak to in particular, maybe because I speak to more women than men, but most of the women will tell me that they were not attracted at the, in, the, in the beginning. Some of them said it took months, it took uh, you know weeks, they weren't attracted right. the first time, but eventually they become attracted. The bigger question and the harder thing is, guys are not so open-minded to that. They have a definite right. one-track mind of what they want a body to look like and what they want a face to look like. And how do you work on that? I don't think there really is a way to work on that with the men that I know there isn't. There are some that will not budge. And I have a lot of those type of people and I try to play around what their needs are and I respect it. You work around try. it. They yeah, work but, around but it. no, I go for what they're asking for uh -huh. with like, you know, finding the right person, but like I'm trying to fulfill their needs and also bring sense to them too but going, shooting for what their ideal is, right. you know? Of and course if that I'm doesn't work. Throw, yeah, of course I'm gonna throw other people their way and see what they say, you know? I'm not gonna limit, I'm gonna be open. And the people who are coming to me already, already are open. They're already asking for a hand in this arena. Right. They're already vulnerable, which I like, you know? Right. 
Okay, so, so I mean, at, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work and this is what they want, it's just better off being alone. <laughs> just be alone. Open is up it? your computer and I guess watch porn if you have to. I don't know what it is, but at some point, you know, you have to make a decision in life. You know, everything is a choice, isn't it? I don't want to be alone. I do want to be alone. I want to get married. I, I may want to, I want to have children. There are yeah. choices that you have to make. Nothing Most is ever people, perfect. Yeah, but you know, listen, we're a social species. Most people want to pair up. You know, I don't know too many people who are like, I ride and die solo for the rest of my life. Or there are guys that I've met that have this concept and idea that they want to get married, but they're still like 55 or 60 year old bachelors. And I still question mark those people because I'm not sure how did you not hop on board, you know? Um, but nobody's really looking to be alone. You may be occupied, right? I With agree with you. Many people or whatever you romantically do, but you're not alone. Yeah, I, I agree busy, with you. I think that you nobody know? says, hey, I want to be alone. I'm flying solo. I think people might wind up being single for a long time, but they would say yeah. they don't want to be alone. And it's just a matter of um, making a move. And maybe if you do go to a matchmaker, that's a good forceful way of maybe somebody else doing the legwork for you. You know, But like, just also you need a helping hand, just like you go for a business coach or you go to an attorney sometimes you really need a helping hand and there's nothing wrong with it. Love is complicated. You're, you're still learning yourself while learning someone else. Yeah. And then you get married and you learn a lot more. Then you have kids and you're really going to university, you know, mm. like your hardest yeah. case yep. ever. Yep. And you keep growing. You're not going to stop. Nope. You know? And you're a great example because um, with all the people you were setting up and with all the parties you were making for all the singles, you actually stayed kind of professional and never got involved in anything. You got married at, you said, 38 years old. And um, you're a great example. You have two 36. kids now and 36. <laughs> but still, it's amazing because you, yeah. you started this in your early 20s. And, you know, you kind it, of took it your own rough. advice when you were I'm ready. I'm not going to say it's easy. Yeah. When you were yeah, ready, I'm not you took your say own it was But it wasn't easy. Right. You know, like it, this is just chat between me and you. Now try right. and live it out. Right. You know, being 36, coming from the Syrian Jewish community where everybody gets married at 20 years old, a lot of communities like to, you know, keep their daughters married uh, at early age so they keep them close, that mentality. Um, and then not being that and getting married at 36 was tough. I wasn't sure what to expect anymore, you know, but I just did my thing. I did my thing. So it does, you can't age anybody. You never know when you're going to get married and only God can decide when the right time is for you. You might think you're ready. I was ready since I was like early twenties. I want to get married. I want to get married, but I really only got married at 36. God blessed me with two children right away. And we're a family already. And thank God it's, you know, everything I could have asked for and more. But at the same time, you know, you have to go through these levels. You have to go through the steps within your own journey and also finding somebody to pair up and go through life's journey with. You know, I feel like women, you know, I think have the tendency to be more mated. They want to be more mated than men do. So how do you find the men and how do you get them on the phone? Okay, sir. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I, I, you know, from my experience. You're about to get real. <laughs> yeah, we're about to, okay, now we have to get real because people want to know. Well, I'm going to want to know a lot. I'm going to want to know how you yeah. charge. 
you know, what are people asking for? What are men asking for? What are women asking for? But let's talk about it now. How do you get these people? How do you get the men for, you know, like I said, there's 20 women for every one guy. How are you finding these men? And how are you getting them to go old school on the phone and not being, you know, okay, you know, let's uh, have a FaceTime. Take off your top. I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I think it's a great question. I don't know that if I that I have all the answers, right? Um, I have to say that somehow these men have like gravitated to me at this time, and because they did, I felt more confident in finding girls or matches that I thought could link up with them and be successful. So I already, I already had a base, guy friends. I've always had much more male friends than I did female friends. A lot of them are still single and I reach out to them first because I know them on a deeper level, you know? So I know this person, he's vetted for by me or I've had a relationship with him where I've been his friend along the way so I can like guide him how to treat girls, what the story and situations are. So I started with them and the girls, like you're saying, there are a lot and there are a lot of guys too, you know? But here's my theory with guys, Nelly. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but my, my, my theory with guys is that once you hit a certain age, like 40, 41, 42, and you know, you don't have a long-term relationship and you just keep dating. I find that all they're doing is shopping. I find that they're not really a good, um, I don't think they're a good candidate anymore. And I've told this to friends. I've even told it to my nieces. The first thing I'd say is, you know, how old are they? When was their last relationship? And how long was that relationship for? So like there are all these things take into account. And then I'm like, yeah, you're better off going for somebody who's younger. Go for somebody who's like a few years younger than you, which they did. One of my niece wound up marrying somebody who was younger than her. My husband's three years younger than me. There you go. So my theory is kind of right. So how do you light a fire under all these guys' asses that are in their 40s that want to date, that say they want to get married? Yeah, that's definitely the case. But there are also cases that guys who are in their 40s who are great guys, they are divorcees. They went through something. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's sometimes a great blessing. You went through the whole experience. You humbled yourself. You learned. You got challenged. And you still want to be married and have more kids? I agree with you. You just said something that I agree with you. When I talk to some of my uh, girlfriends and they're looking for to date someone, they always immediately say, you know, I don't want someone who's divorced. My theory is your theory. Go for the divorce guy. They don't want to get divorced again. They've done it. And if they want to do it again, it's a blessing. Totally. And if he has kids, even better. Take on his kids, get knocked up. And a year later, you go from being single with no kids to having a husband and an army. Everything that you're crying for all day, I'm crying. I agree with you. I I agree. I agree. On On a platter platter. comes to you. Okay. So how do you make this work? How do you make it work? Do you call up first of all, forget about the divorce guys for a second. How do you get these single guys in their forties to be a little bit more serious? How do you vet them? So you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Jonathan Fronin. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Your husband. (laughs) My husband husband is like, he's like the social butterfly of LA. He's like the mayor of the Jewish world, was involved with every Jewish young professional organization, knows every rabbi, is the gabai of our shul. Like he is me, my twin in that nature, in that respect. He's like 
first of all, beyond mensch. Mensch meaning like good the guy best guy. Uh-huh. For the people like, listening, a mensch is a good guy. Way nicer than me. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know about that, but. No, for real. That was one of the things that I said about him when we were dating. I'm like, he's just so plain old nice. Okay, so in full nice. disclosure, I got to anyway. say, in full disclosure, <laughs> I have to say that I should have called your husband instead of you because <laughs> I called you about setting somebody up who's very close to me, who but I no, love and talking, is very close. Yeah, but you're talking about a girl. So you asked me yes. about guys. Yes, okay, I did. So, but I just want to so get back to giving you a compliment for a second. What I did you. love about you was when I told you that, you know, I'll let me kind of, you know, uh, let me kind of like figure this out with you. You said to me, I need to talk to her. She has to at least tell me that she's it's something she's interested in i have to ask her a couple of questions i'm not going to grill but this is what i loved about you is you knew you needed to ask a couple of questions and that was it and what i also loved about you is everything was fine whatever i told you was okay there's no problem everybody can find a mate this is what is so great about your ideology and the way you think you know regardless what other people might think oh you're from a jewish community there are so many restrictions you can't do this you can't do that you have to marry some What's great about your service is that you're so open-minded, you're so not judgmental, and maybe it's because you're living in California now, but everything <laughs> is okay with you. Everybody can find a mate. That's true. They yeah. need to be honest and talk about it, and they need to, um, you know, as long as they're open about it and tell you, you can find yeah. them somebody if you and come I across go them. There, Rich, or Jonathan. I go there. I go there. I really go there with people like immediately, like my first phone call, I always say is a 15 minute chat and I go through the steps. And when somebody's trying to like pass over a specific thing about themselves, I'm like, no, 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 let's go. Let's go back there. Let's understand what's going on over here and why. And like, I really go there with people. Okay. But, I'm giving you a scenario. Yeah. You get a guy in his forties. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to give it to you. I want to see how good you really are now. You get a guy in his 40s, right. he calls you, yeah, Nelly, I date girls, I date a lot of models, but, you know, I want to settle down now. The girls I date, you know, they're not really for me for whatever reason, either they're not Jewish or I don't, you know, they have a thing that bothers me. So, we're, you know, she's not for me, but I want to get married. Could you hook me up? I want a hot girl. Right. How do you answer that? Listen, the first thing I want them to do is not date anybody or be clean slated when I talk, when we're talking about me introducing them to women, you know, um, the guy who's calling me up right now, that's between, I'd say 35 to 50, um, is already past this. Like, because they're already being introduced through my husband or through myself, there's already like shaving off the BS, you know? Um, also I'm not going to deal with somebody like that. This is like, person to person. I have to vibe with the person. We have to be on the same page because that's how I'm going to find the connectivity for them. It's really like getting to know them and vibing with them. Um, so I may not take on a client like that. Okay, great. That's what I wanted to hear. You know? The same thing goes for girls. You get girls and they have this laundry list of things that they want. Absolutely. I don't know if you've ever heard of Esther Perel. Did you ever hear of yeah. Esther Perel? She's the author. She's the author actually of a few books. One of them is... Um, what is the name of it? Uh, oh, she's a psychotherapist, abating okay. in captivity and state of affairs. Uh, she's okay. a Belgian um, a psychotherapist. And she says, which is great, is today people want from a mate what a village used to give them. 
You know what I mean? They want belonging, identity. They want money, validation. They want desire. They want their mate to be their best friend. I mean, it's a lot to ask for from one person. Do you get laundry? And he has to be good looking and, you know, the laundry list can go on. Do you get this from women as well? And how do you deal with them or do you not work with them as well? So that those I've girls taken on are- everybody I've taken on. I haven't said no to even like the hardest case, divorce, kids. I only want them to live here. You know, hope, you know I, right. I, I've taken on like some very tough stuff. I'm not afraid of it. I really believe that God is the ultimate matchmaker and I'm just the vessel that's carrying out, you know, the actions. And uh, I have to say that I want to believe that all those things do exist. That ideal that you have for your head and your mind and your soul are there because I feel like I have it. So if I can attain it, even like I got married at a late age, I got married at 36, you know, and most people have this idea that they need to get married young or they miss the boat if they didn't get married young, especially girls with having babies. You know, they're so worried about it. Well, this right? is great. So tell people for a girl who's been surrounded by um, tons of single people, her, you know, to- her whole adult life, you wound up getting married at 36. You have two kids. You have two boys, right? I have a girl and I have a boy. You have a girl and a boy. One's four and a half, one's two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, um, and they're young too. So, I mean, it's, it says a lot. You are a great example of how it, it's never too late. It's really never too late. And from what I understand from when we've spoken before, it seems like you adore your husband. Yeah. So, I mean. Absolutely. Hand in glove. It's a hand in glove. I'm very, thank God, blessed. I want to know how you met your husband. Tell people how you met your husband. I know a little bit of how you met him, but tell them. Because it's interesting. <laughs> No, it's the best story of them all. What, did you swipe to the left or something? To the left, (laughs) to the left? No, was that a swipe thing? No, I know it wasn't. It was not an app, but it was an app-driven thing, but it was not a swipe thing. Tell Um, people. I lived in Miami at the time, and where I lived was like the most pristine nature, beach environment. I would open my balcony, I'd literally see God every day. Like I was so enamored by the sunrises and the sunsets. And on Instagram, it's a platform just for pictures, not really words or stories. Um, I upload pictures and I would hashtag them. And one of my pictures was sunset. And I was curious, like to see other people from around the world sunset. So I clicked on hashtag sunset and I saw a bunch of different pictures. And I liked for the first time also a few of these sunset photos. And one of those photos happened to be his. And that's how he became aware of me. He's like, who's this girl, Nellie's list that I'm not friends with um, that's liking my picture. It eventually became him Google searching Nellie's list. Funny enough, he gets all this media like press, uh, website. Uh, there's just like so much stuff on Google about me. Um, and he finds my Facebook and he writes me a Facebook message to my business profile two profiles, one that has like 5,000 plus friends, just about parties and events and anything to do with business. And then my, my other one, my personal one. So he, he approached the business one and um, I was like, oh, this is just some random guy. Like, I don't know who this person is. I'm not even checking the message. Months like, what later, are the chances that he's around your age, uh, that he's Jewish? No, Cause I know you want to marry a Jewish guy. Like what are the chances of all of that? No, what's the chances of meeting somebody, somebody that's your soulmate from hashtag sunset? Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's only God. It's crazy. It's, it could have been a married not... guy trolling you. I mean, you never know. 100%. I mean, this, that's what I would have thought. 
So that's like, period. Like, I don't even have to think too much about it, but it evolved beautifully, like via all these platforms, Instagram, we use Facebook nicely. Like he said, I fell in love with your words. Yes, I loved your pictures, but like I would read what you would write. I would always share like feelings or things, my thoughts at the time on, he's like, I fell in love with the things that you were saying. And that got him to know me better. So we could get on the phone. We knew like something about it, each other already. Our love for, like you said, religion, Israel, whatever. I love um, it. That's a very months. innocent story. Continue, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, so that's why I'm like, it also showed me and reflected what it needs to be. You need to get on the phone and talk to somebody first. Right. Um, you need to see visuals, okay, before you meet the person too. To see Attraction is very important, right? What their hobbies, you know, just get a little research done for yourself. Right. Um, you know, it's weird. The hobby thing I never really understood because, you know, listen, a guy could like, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, going up in a hot air balloon. But how often are you going to do that? What, once right. in your life, like who cares? I find that you have to be attracted and have the same values. You have to have the same values. Yeah, people like hobby schmobby. I'll, I'll go to the no, gym okay, alone. No, but what I mean, about somebody who's very outdoorsy and really enjoys hiking and really enjoys all these uh, outdoor activities and experiences and the girl's just into let's Netflix and chill. Okay, you're right. Okay, so now let's go. Okay, great, you brought you know? up a great point. So now we have that. So you're gonna try to set people up <clears throat> the guy wants to be attracted, very attracted. The That's girl wants to be attracted. Right, exactly. Number one. Number one. Girls <laughs> want to be attracted one. too, but they also want money. You know, they want a guy who's going to be able to take care of them. What does he do for a living? How tall is he? I always say on paper, I would never, ever get a date. Like, thank God I'm with Brad for 20 <laughs> years. Thank God I'm with him for 20 years. Because on paper, if I had to fill out a thing and they ask me for my age and my height, and plus I'm cynical, I'm, you know, I'm grumpy. I would never get a hit. Forget about even getting to know me. Before. You wouldn't even get to know me. You Rejected. would just look at, you did, you look at, you know, everybody wants somebody six foot two or six feet. And so just by that. It's not yeah. like, you know, they, they inch down to like 5'11 or 5'10. <laughs> it's just six foot, you know, six foot from this age, this age, I'd be alone for the five rest of my nine? life. Oh, he's little. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'd be alone. I, I would be alone for the rest of my life. So now you have these girls that, um, you know, they want to be attractive, but yet they also yeah. want money. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you, how important is it now? Now in this polarization of politics, you have to ask. How important is their political affiliation? Wow, isn't that crazy that it's it, a it, thing? Yeah, it's a thing because I, I know people. I know so that they cool. won't even talk to someone. Do you know, I know. a customer? I dealt with it. You yeah. dealt with it. Okay, I, I have, have a customer. You have someone. If they're not liberal, if they're not like this and politically, I just can't look at them. That person's too conservative. What? <laughs> this is what this is this is this is where we've gotten. So if, yeah. as as though things weren't hard enough before to meet yeah. somebody, right? Is if things were not hard enough before, it's, you know, with the religion, with the values, with the community, yeah. with I beautiful, they have to be this, they have to have money, they have to have a goal. Now with all that, that you have to have the same political affiliation. I mean, really it gets hard. I started to tell you before, I wanna tell you what a customer told me, which is yeah. crazy. And she was no youngster, she was an older woman. She said that she was not sleeping with her husband because he was voting for Trump. So now I wanted to say to her, you're doing him a favor. If you're anything in bed the way you are with me, so indecisive and you don't know what you want, trust me, you're doing him a favor. But I didn't. I shut my mouth and I let her leave. But I mean, just hearing that is just ridiculous. I cannot believe that this is how polarized that it's become. And so now that's another thing to throw on your plate, Nellie. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you have to be a psychiatrist too. It's funny. I, like, those are my words. I'm like, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I have conversations with people. I coach them in the right direction. I reflect with them. I get to know them personally. We open up a lot more than you would typically with anybody else. But, you know, I cut it at that. These are 15 minute chats, not one hour conversations. When somebody tells me like what you're saying, I'm liberal or she's too conservative. I tend to like back off. Unless somebody pops up in my database that needs that too. But I'm not going to go, you know, I may not even take that person on as a client. You know, I don't want somebody to stop themselves from meeting their soulmate because of Trump and Joe Biden. I agree. I know a couple that's together and they're polar opposites on this. And I, I laugh sometimes because they even like annoy each other about it but they work and they work well. Well, so, because you have to be well-adjusted. In other words, in order to have a relationship like that and be on complete yeah. opposite ends, you have to just be well-adjusted. She knew and what I she find was getting that, into. <laughs> what'd you say? I'm thinking of a particular couple and I'm like, she knew what she was getting into. So she like, writes. you're absolutely right. Yeah, you have to be well-adjusted. And uh, Nelly, it was a pleasure. My Nelly's list, I think that you're gonna do very good and I know that you've been doing very good. I don't have to tell you that. Um, I think you really know what you're doing and I, I admire that. Keep doing it. I think you're helping a lot of people, especially now during COVID. So I think yeah. what you've been doing for the last 20 years have really helped you for this moment in time. Yeah, totally. Amen. Said it so well, Richie. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So guys, I want you to go to um, Nellie's List website and just check it out. And if you need help, if you're just feeling like you just need a little shove or a little push or just a little help, fill out the form. Talk to Nellie. Even if that's all you do, talk to her. I felt much better after I spoke to her. Thank you, Nellie. Thanks, Richie. You're okay. the best. Thank you so much for this interview. I appreciate it. I'll Thank talk you to for you being soon. on. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com. 